0: Find their written and premium audio content at UTHdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose.
3: Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now.
0: Welcome down to Under the helmet. Looking at some long-term player value in fantasy football, we got Katie Flower here. We've got Jordan McNamara. We've got Tim Torch, and I am Chad Parsons. And it is the UTH Awards show to finish up a great 2021 season. Here we've got a bunch of awards to dole out. This is the fourth or fifth annual version. We've got a number of different categories, but I wanted to start off the show here by announcing the winner of the uth best ball contest it was a slugfest for once we didn't have katie in the top few spots which meant it was wide open competition this year and how fitting that grant mulig won the whole thing but how did he do it by taking it down in week 17 he won by 2.2 2 points this past week and he basically needed a big game he ended up winning by about 50 60 points the number one spot overall. He wins a host of prizes just to go over what some of those things are. He gets a strategy call with myself or some version, uh, some collection of us if he so chooses. He gets a free automatic entry into the Scott Fishbowl next year. He gets a football guy subscription. He gets a four for four subscription. Uh, one of those things, he gets a year of trade calculator access, GM plus a bunch of toys as well. So Grant, Congratulations, taking it down. You were mentioned as one of the the top, you might've been for two months straight in the top spot. You held everybody off. Congratulations, it's not an easy feat. And frankly, you probably won some other titles this year, but this one is one that you for sure had to earn going all the way back to August, building out your team. So congratulations, uh, just a way to give back to some of the super fans out there and Grant was the most super of the super fans. So we've got a jam-packed show, and let's get to it. A number of uh, awards to give out. And we're going to start with Quarterback Veteran of the Year. you got to be at least 30 years old. And Katie, why don't you kick us off here at the quarterback position there?
1: All right, I will. But first, I want to say congrats, Grant. And I think if you do look at the UTH order, I think I did sneak in ahead uh, being the top UTH dynasty expert expert so I may not have been first overall but
0: it's almost like uh, being the best rookie quarterback this year right Katie you were the best of the rest
1: that's that's right all right so QB veteran of the year 30 plus I'm gonna go 40 plus I don't think it's any accident that Tom Brady is still performing so well at age 44 Eight weeks this season, he was top five in scoring, which means he won you a lot of regular start one quarterback and a lot of super flex. He was tied with Josh Allen and finished second in average the average weekly scoring at 31.86. He was a league winner. He was probably cheap, or you've had him for a while on your roster, but that's my guy. You now,
3: got to I, i'm gonna completely back up katie on this one and go with the goat he has the highest uh passing yards of his entire career he put up 40 t- 40 passing touchdowns this season uh 22 point six points per game which is number three on the season right now uh it is tom brady and in my opinion it's not even close and it, it's it's crazy that you can you could still acquire him for a song for for a late second, early third round pick, uh, going into this season because people just don't want the veteran quarterback on their roster guy was coming back with a vengeance and it's, it's amazing to watch.
0: Yeah. I think, I think until further notice, let's just rename it the Tom Brady award (laughs) and you know, until he falls off completely, we'll just give it to him. 44 years old. What can you say? He's got 18 seasons in the top 12, 18, so that's more than Peyton Manning, more than Drew Brees. What else can you say? He was QB3 in championship week two, as if he needed another reason.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, just the 18, when you look at the the actual numbers on like a density curve, like it's just he breaks every single graph because it, may, it may, he makes it so wide. I'll actually, uh, I'll, I'll give an honorary mention to, I think the, the award does belong to Brady, but I'll give an honorary mention to Aaron Rodgers and, you know, in the safe league scoring that a, a lot of us play in. Uh, he's a 10th of a point less per game than Tom Brady was 35 touchdowns, four interceptions, the interceptions there being a big difference maker over Brady who had 12 on the season. So I think he deserves an honorary mention there as well. He missed a, a, a game and actually played on a broken toe without playing uh, without practicing for, uh, you know, about a month. So I think uh, a pretty impressive season there from Rogers as well.
0: Yeah. Now flipping the script to 20 plus years younger, we're going to talk about the rookies of a relative lackluster quarterback position. Tim, you get the honors to lead us off here.
3: Uh, Similar to the last category, I think this is about as easy as it gets. And it's funny because it's with Tom Brady's old team and Mac Jones, Uh, even though he had one game where uh, barely broke like 10 passing it att- didn't break 10 passing attempts it, it's just amazing yeah he had one game against buffalo where he had three attempts wh- which is just mind-boggling we remember <laughs> um it, it's just one job
0: bill's defense
3: but but the fact that he is going to finish the season with uh with uh over 67 percent completion uh 21 passing touchdowns with not much, not anything outside of the tight ends, and you could probably argue that's probably only one quality tight end that that you're really talking about in New England. So Mac Jones, uh, you're up, man. I, I I've been impressed. He he gives you enough athleticism. He's he does enough. If you're in a super flex type of league, he is that quarterback too. That'll just be there and give you something every week, unless they're playing Buffalo and a really bad game script.
0: Yeah. QB five coming out off the, the rookie board and ended up being a guy that was playable at times. He had three weeks in the top six. Uh, there were actually only 10 quarterbacks with more such games, smart more mobile than people project accurate and headed to the NFL playoffs with a lackluster group of wide receivers. So a lot of positives there. Yeah. It's a lackluster position. This is kind of like kissing your sister in terms of winning this award, but Mac Jones overachieved expectations, which were pretty minimal this year.
2: I'll actually shout out someone who overachieved expectations more than Mac Jones did. And that's Davis Mills. Uh, And coming in, it's a, it's an absolute train wreck of a situation. Uh, You wouldn't want anyone to be thrown into that. And honestly, he comes in, he plays well. And if you compare the Patriots to uh, Houston's uh, weapons, I think it's clear that the Patriots have better weapons. They have a better structure, better supporting cast. And honestly, he volts up Brandon Cooks to wide receiver 16 on the season, 15.1 points per game. Where have we heard that before? I'm not sure. But, uh, but Davis Mills, I think, deserves this honor because his expectation was so much lower.
1: And I'm going with Mac Jones. Uh, A lot of people think of Joe Burrow as somebody that's very athletic and can get out of the pocket if needed. Mac Jones, 125 rushing yards to 118 that Joe Burrow had. So I think Mac Jones is mobile enough. And he, with his completions, he had four finishes in the weekly top 12. So Chad had mentioned he was startable. He, He had some moments where he was startable. And if you went with him in that final week, probably
0: helped you win. I'm going to lead things off for quarterback breakout of the year. And Katie had a professional segue there in the business. Uh, I'm going to go with Joe Burrow. Um, He showed flashes last year and there was even talk that, is he going to miss a big chunk of this year? Should they shut him down? You know, the, the face of the franchise, all of that. Well, he comes in and QB seven and adjusted points per game. And how about this quarterback one, not a quarterback one. The quarterback one in the semis and the finals of the playoffs. And basically, at times this year, he was a cheat code with Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and company. So Joe Burrow and Katie mentioned it. Not very much mobility there for for this year. Maybe that improves in the future. But a massive breakout season. And a lot of people are going to be taking Joe Burrow in the top four, five, six of of the position uh, in startup drafts this off
2: season. Yeah, I like the Joe Burrow call. I I took Herbert here just because I think he goes from being Uh, a firm pretty good to being an elite quarterback and I think that jump matters as much as anything especially in super flex formats so when you look at him top four scoring at the position um you know big step forward and stuff like clean pocket passing which is uh, a big deal from where he was last year a lot of it a lot of his stuff last year was very noisy not necessarily predictive he takes a big step forward in the predictive stuff which is what you want to see and now he's got multiple hits including a top six so wheels up and he deserves to be in an absolute elite tier
1: I've got Joe Burrow, I uh, considered Justin Herbert, but if you look at what Burrow did compared to last year, Herbert had already broken out, and this is a true breakout for Joe Burrow. QB eight in points per game, eight top 12 finishes this year, so very startable in super flex and with the potential to give you an edge and especially look at down the stretch when he and Jamar Chase got going in the playoffs I don't know too many teams that had Joe Burrow and Jamar chase and didn't lose their championship.
3: I'm going to actually extend the tie and uh, go with Justin Herbert here. I'm with Jordan that um, he's, he has the type of overall athleticism arm. It, it's where it, it actually reminds me a lot of where we were last year uh, coming off of Josh Allen's season. Where, where people are going to see the overall athleticism, the weapons, the what the potential is, and he's going to start seeing as how he's only going to be 24 going into next season, he will be the likely contender to possibly, if anyone has a shot of putting a dent in Patrick Mahomes it might be Justin Herbert because people are going to see that the couple of extra years, they're going to see, maybe he gets more weapons. I, I really think that could, that in my opinion is what the breakout really looks like is that he has that opportunity to be QB one overall uh, in drafts. And and he really put himself in that position this season for, for me. All
0: right, Jordan, uh, who was your big quarterback free agent pickup of the year?
3: I'll take
2: Tyler Huntley. Uh, and so when it matters down the stretch here, uh, he goes, he misses week 16, but goes week 14. He's quarterback 14 week 15 is quarterback one with a 38 point performance. And then week 17, he again performs on a quarterback two. like basis, a little bit of a letdown there quarterback 22. Uh, but, you got the big week there that could extend you, uh, from getting into the playoffs and then, you know, getting in you into the next round. I think that's such a huge difference. And again, you got him in week 14 as well. So a couple of really good starts there. And I think puts himself in the relevant conversation of maybe an option, uh, going forward, uh, both one that you hold through the offseason And then one that maybe gets, you know, some spot starts here going forward, uh, you know, a look from other franchises, that sort of thing in the NFL.
1: Took Davis Mills, the quarterback from Houston. A lot of people thought he was behind Tyrod Taylor, who was behind Deshaun Watson, who was having his issues. And so Davis Mills was free either right before the season started or early into the season, depending on the depth of the league. Three top 12 finishes uh, for weekly. So definitely startable with an average of 16.8 points per game. He was a solid flex and super flex.
3: Yeah. I'm Jordan. And I seem to be on similar pages. This I paid him off. I paid him off. So <laughs> It's weird. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm with Ty. start week 14, 15 and 17. Uh, he gave you something. And, and we, I, I know during uh, the show, the waiver wire show with Chad and I, we talk about so frequently with quarterbacks, you want someone with a proven track record. Unfortunately with Tyler Huntley, you were kind of taking a shot in the dark because you didn't see that track record. And I, even during the draft process, he, he wasn't invited to senior bowl. He, he didn't get the kind of the looks that you usually want out of these guys coming into the NFL. And I just had no clue what to expect, but he came in and he put up solid enough performances when he came in and gave you just enough to be passable in those categories.
0: Uh, Yeah, I'll mention a new name uh, to finish out the category here uh, because I remember I had a couple teams that lifesaver, you know, and and I think in in Superflex, when you have a guy that gives you a big cross section of the season, that's when they make a big difference. I'm going to say Taylor Heineke. Um, He may go back to uh, a backup role. He may, but at a minimum, he's extended his NFL career a great deal in that injury away bucket If he so chooses, Washington probably does something at the position. Ryan Fitzpatrick is a wild card, but 40% of his games this year were in the top 12. He was a consistent streaming option in one quarterback, a regular starter in premium formats, and really didn't have Curtis Samuel for most or all of the season. And Logan Thomas was out for a chunk as well. So he did a lot with a little. He was mobile. And again, he had that high floor and a lot of utility throughout the year, especially in those premium formats. Time for bad news, Katie. Who is your biggest quarterback disappointment?
1: I don't think it's too big of a shock because I think the expectations were much higher for this fourth year player, but Baker Mayfield, I think he's been spending too much time doing commercials and less time playing football in his career prior to this year. He had 46 games that he started. He was in the top five scoring weekly 11% of the time, five times zero this year out of 14 games, 0% top 12. A startable QB1. He had 18 games in 46 prior to this year. 39% of the time he was finishing in the top 12 at the position weekly. This year he's only had one time, 7%. He's down in both. And top 24, so superflex. Can you start him as your second quarterback? 76% of the time before this year, yes, you could. This year he dropped down to 64% of the time. He only finished nine times in the top 24. Stinky year for Mr. Mayfield.
3: Oh, I do, of course I'm doubling down on this one. This is, this is one that uh, breaks my heart as, as a Browns fan. And, uh, two interceptions, four interceptions, one interception, the last three games uh, that he's played week 14, 16, 17. It, it's just been, it's been miserable to watch, but it's been miserable to tr- consider putting him in your lineups. I, I was not putting him as a quarterback one. I was thinking of him as a really solid quarterback two with potential quarterback one type of weeks. And you just aren't getting that. He doesn't have the overall athleticism to to be that type of producer. He doesn't have the huge arm. He has a good enough arm and the weapons there, especially after they released Odell Beckham Jr., just kept sliding throughout the season. I personally, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Browns and Mayfield find some type of split this offseason.
0: Yeah, uh, talk about, you know, breakout expectations for Baker Mayfield in the offseason, mentioned the commercials, mentioned all the hoopla that was around the Browns and Mayfield being the point man of that. And we've devolved to the point that, they're talking about replacing him. The Browns need to replace him as soon as possible to, to get where they want to go on a team that's that's ready to contend, that's ready to go places in the postseason. His only remote weeks of, of viability this year, QB9 and QB11. He didn't grace the top six or even eight once. And even disappointing in super flex formats, I mean, he's outside the top 25 and adjusted points per game. Not much else to say here with, with Mayfield.
2: Um, all right, so I'll, I'll spare Baker because I, my expectations for him, I think the market's expectations for him were way lower. I, I'm going Trevor Lawrence and he comes in at, what, at quarterback 42 in points per game. I'm talking about the generational can't miss quarterback. Well, You know, that's the same people that brought you a whole treasure trove of can't miss quarterbacks before that too. So, um, he throws ten touchdowns, seventeen interceptions. It looked really bad doing it. Six yards per attempt. Um, I know that there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of situational uh, blame to go around and uh, blaming coaches, blaming lack of weapons, and all that. Um, I'll just say like you went into a situation where heck Davis Mills looked better than him and had a worse situation. So I mean we could go down the list of guys that have done that have outperformed that. And, and again, coming from what should have been an elite talent. So Trevor Lawrence, especially at a first round startup pick cost and super flex and, and um and as a rookie. I mean, that's a it's a calamity in terms of an outcome.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. Uh 13% of his games in the top uh in, in the top 12 there. Just unbelievable. Um, all right, Tim, you are kicking us off older running backs here, not a huge pool to choose from, but 27 years or older, we don't have to uh, Frank Gore. We could probably use Tim for about (laughs) half a a decade straight, but who's going to be your award winner this year?
3: Yeah, I, I don't know if anyone's going to follow up with this one or not, but I'm going to go the wide receiver running back combo Cordero Patterson and towards the end of the season. He he kind of petered out 4.3, 8.3 and 7.2 points uh, in his last three matchups, but he gave you top overall game this season. It it was one of those, we, we saw him start to get optimized when he was with the Patriots. We, we weren't sure what the iteration was going to be. We had extremely high hopes for Mike Davis coming into the season for the Falcons. And that was quickly dashed by Cordero Patterson being optimized in the backfield, being used in different ways, having that dual ability to be running back and wide receiver on my fantasy league. It was, it was a game changer. Uh, Unfortunately, not all fantasy platforms took advantage of that dual position type of ability, but for my fantasy league and on my dynasty teams, I was thrilled to have him and he gave, he got me to the playoffs. He really boosted some of my rosters.
0: Yeah. It was a puzzle piece for me with Cordero Patterson. Cause I said, what category I need to give him an award this year, but what category is it going to be? And then I thought to myself, I was like, well, if I put him at running back, I think someone's going to call me out <laughs> and saying like, well, some platforms is a wide receiver. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, I don't, uh, so I, I did find him an award. I didn't find him this one. So I didn't have a whole lot of other options. I gave it to King Derrick Henry, um, mm-hmm. because, You know, you look at cross sections of a season, and there were a lot of teams that maybe petered out in the playoffs. And they had Derrick Henry, and the reason they maybe still got a buy or made the playoffs was largely because of Henry. He was dominant over the first half of the season. He had six top 12 games over the first seven weeks, including two running back overall one finishes. So I know he wasn't the one that took home the hardware at the end, but he certainly gave you a massive head start to get there. So if you were heavy at running back, you could compensate there with other options down the stretch. He certainly provided that stability in the first half to, to give you a great lead.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think these two guys are the are the real, uh you know, are the answers, right? In some way, shape or form, this is what my deciding pool was. Um, I went with Patterson. I actually went back and I looked and I, I won the first uh, for the first time. I, I've been star-crossed in this league since I've been in it. But in 2012, I joined this league and I won it for the first time this year. My first rookie pick. Cordero Patterson. So everything comes around. He wasn't still (laughs) on my team, but everything comes back around. The synergy of that is right where I want it. So Cordero Patterson, running back seven on the season, if you want to go by that, you know, 15.5 PPR points per game, just an absolute huge season and and going to be um, uh, the sad part is, is we're going to now hang on to our guys forever because we'll be like, oh, wait, he could be the Cordero Patterson. So we're going to hold on to Wolf Fuller until he's like 35 thinking Tavon Austin in three years. (laughs) Right. totally
1: so I'm going to end it with a tie I'm, I went with Derrick Henry and Chad already gave the stats so I'll just give a funny story in the only redraft league that I play in ESPN allows you a few IR spots and I kept Derrick Henry on my team on IR as well as Leonard Fournette and Chris Godwin when I won the championship across the finish line I had AJ Dillon and Rashad Penny as my running backs but Derrick Henry got me there
0: All right, running back rookie of the year, and I'm leading things off. And I have a quick story about Najee Harris because one of these titles that I did not think I was going to win, I I looked back because he had that late touchdown that was basically the last offensive snap for the Steelers in that game. They were up about a minute to go, third down. He breaks through the line of scrimmage, 30-plus yard touchdown, and I was behind before that run. So if he gets stuffed at the line of scrimmage, uh, if if he doesn't break off a decent chunk run, then I'm gonna lose. And that was a huge uh, changing, you know, hundreds of dollars move. And Najee Harris, ten top twelve weeks, and we can say that oh he doesn't have as much breakaway speed as he wants. The Steelers are horrible. Well, you know what? Workhorse usage gets you pretty far. You know that usage, that dual threat, barely ever coming off the field, that pays bills in, in dynasty leagues and in lineups. And he was second to only Jonathan Taylor in those top 12 weeks. Um, you know, age of a prospect is not really a big deal if you're instantly productive. <laughs> like, I don't think a lot of people right now are like, well, good thing I passed on Harris because he's too old. <laughs> so, um, you know, again, he, he won the title for me in week 17. He, in a few leagues, he was highly impactful. And again, just came in instantly, auto start player. And now here he is among the top of the dynasty heap, uh, which is pretty uncertain beyond Jonathan Taylor in, uh, in, in the rankings and valuations this offseason.
2: Yeah. The, the irony of that age statement that you just said, you know, that people are are doubting him because of his age, only one running back uh, up in the top 10 is younger. Uh, only two of them are younger than 25 years old. It's Taylor and, and Harris. So we could sort of look a gift horse in the mouth all we want. He led the league in running back receptions. Um, and that's, uh, I think a massive, a massive accomplishment. Would he have gotten there if Fournette had played all games? Uh, you know, if, if Patterson had been totally healthy the whole way, I'm not sure. But when you look at that, it, availability is a skill to some degree. And I think you look at him, it's a, it's a huge uh, floor and ceiling combination for an 18.2 point per game uh, rookie coming out. So really good, and especially in a, what is an absolutely putrid, unwatchable offense at times. So really good performance by Harris.
1: And I'm going to go with Najee Harris, and since all the stats have been quoted, I'll just uh, give this fact, the fun fact, that in just a few years, we'll be considering him in the RB27 plus category.
3: Yeah, I'll wrap it up with Najee Harris. It's uh, he He is just, just starting to hit all of the things that we like. He, he is on the field all of the time. He is getting plenty of receiving work. He is being used just nonstop in different facets of the game goal line between the twenties, what, whatever you want, he does it. And uh, if you were, if you made the decision of taking him or Jamar chase at the top of your, uh, at the top of your rookie draft, you won it, it, no matter what you won.
0: Absolutely. Um, I found there were a few different choices here, depending on what criteria, what threshold you wanted to use for running back breakout of the year. What about you for Jordan?
2: Uh, breakout of the year. I mean, I, I, I thought there is a few ways to go. I went Damian Harris because 14 touchdowns. Uh, he's up there amongst the league leaders in that running back 16 performance despite missing some time, a player that we had a, a fair uh, number of shares of uh, from rookie draft time. He posts a hit uh, in in year three, which is what uh, we had talked a lot about about him, uh, the rushing production, the rushing touchdown production in particular in a post Cam Newton world, uh, that was a success there. So I'll take Damian Harris close to our heart.
1: And breakout of the year, I got to give to Jonathan Taylor. Uh, he had a good first year, but as far as fantasy goes, as far as real life goes, he had eight top five weeks this year and. He had three last year. He stayed healthy, was available to owners all year long, second overall in points per game.
3: I will go with Algiers, Jameel, William, Dillon Jr., A.J. Dillon. Uh, And uh, for me, it it was just the opportunity that he still got when he was playing next to a, a running back that everyone looked at as a running back one, as the guy, as the possible type of running back that you don't take off the field and they were finding creative ways. He wasn't just being involved as a rusher. He was running routes. He was uh, being targeted. He was being involved in the, in the red zone. So I, I was excited to see the usage. I was excited to see really that they weren't just leaving him on the sidelines and letting Aaron Jones take over a bulk of the bulk of the workload. This is a guy who's already a, uh, he put up running back seven uh, points this uh, past week in the money week, and he's running back 31 in a timeshare. Uh, Everyone is excited about Javante Williams because of what he did in a timeshare. I am thrilled with what AJ Dillon did this past season.
0: We're going to have four, four different uh, candidates here. Uh, I chose Elijah Mitchell, Um, talk about coming from the ether deep on day three, arguably the running back four or beyond on that 49ers depth chart back in the summer. And he was around four rookie pick, maybe even cheaper than that. You get a Raheem Mostert injury. You get Trey Sermon in the doghouse later. Mitchell was running back 15 in week one. He had seven weeks in the top 24 and even missed some time. So Mitchell coming all the way from the back of the pack, circling. He had a top 20 season in adjusted points per game. And, and really that price point You know that, that Jordan said about Davis Mills, for example, at the quarterback position, same thing applies here. When you come from where he did uh, in the price point, Mitchell, uh, my breakout of the season. Now we got the free agent pickup. Katie, lead us off.
1: All right. So honorable mention to Boston Scott and Elijah Mitchell for this category, but I couldn't resist. I had to go with Rashad Penny because I wanted to say, see a penny, pick him up all playoffs long. You'll have good luck. We waited forever for this moment. And he had the same number of top five and top 12 weekly finishes during the playoffs as Zeke Chubb and cook.
3: That's great. Uh, That's great. I, I actually did consider Rashad Penny, but I, I, I want to give a huge shout out and I really want to put Deonta Foreman out there. He is coming back from, he gives us hope for, uh, for for the players who have the Achilles tendon tear because he experienced that in 2017. He had a biceps tear in 2019. He found his way on, onto the Titans this season. And he put up uh, four games of 10 plus points. He was seeing a 70 plus snap share in week 17. So he was a quality option. If you're able to pick him up, he's been able to just feed into your lineups at different points in time this season. Uh, I'm I'm thrilled that we got to see some Diantha Foreman this year.
0: Yeah. I feel like this is a injury away running back award. Like pick pick who your flavor pick a guy that was available at various points in the last 11 months that you accumulated more shares and it, it's low hanging fruit but I'm gonna go with Daryl Williams. Uh, I mean, he had six streaming starts without edwards Uh, And this is the type of name that just anytime you see him dropped, you aggressively try to pick him up. The next waiver cycle, recycle, first come, first serve, you break your finger on your phone or your computer. And that type of player, he was top 24 eight times this year. He was running back two in week 17 when it mattered most. With a clarified, unquestioned, got to get him in my lineup. He had another week running back one overall. And this is coming from deep on your bench of like, who knows when I'll play him. I need Edward Solaire out to play him pretty much. Maybe there's one other week, but Daryl Williams, you're becoming one of my new favorites. And you know what? I almost think when I called you Alfred blue a couple of times, I think that did you a disservice. You are better, my friend than Alfred blue.
2: You sent that with all the love and, uh, and, and respect that, that Alfred blue designation uh, deserved. Yeah. I mean, I'll go Daryl Williams as well. And it's in the it's it's wild when you look at some of these stats like just the season long point totals and he's a top twenty four hit. Like, oh, uh, and you look at some of these guys, uh, him being one of them that uh, that's not really what we would have thought coming into the season that that longevity that amount of aggregated production would have been what we got but we did and uh, so a big a a big deal he was a big part of uh, some championship teams for me as well as getting me there uh, along the way just being an innings eater getting you know quality production along the way a big performance there so a hat tip to darrell williams
0: tim lead us off and tell us all the way a running all the ways a running back disappointed you this year
3: Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm even going with a running back, a uh, running back rookie running back in this category. And it's Trey Sermon. I have never felt so Wally pipped by a running back than Trey Sermon this past year. Not even
1: Bishop Sankey. <laughs> not,
3: not, not even Bishop No curse
0: Sankey. words, Katie. <laughs> wow.
1: For,
3: tra- Trey Sermon. It, I redraft. He was going as a mid-round pick. Dynasty. He was uh, a first round rookie pick. I mean, Trey Sermon even had like clarified weeks where he was losing touches to a fullback. It it was, it was, it was right there. It was right there in front of him. Team big running back. He had the preseason. We just kept seeing flashes. Oh, this guy's going to be great. He's getting plenty of opportunities. He's in there in passing situations. There is all of the opportunity for the world for him to take up, to take off. And he just, it, it, it just went away. He went to the doghouse. He has total, 41 total rush attempts on the season. He has three receptions. I My mind is just blown that the 49ers traded up for this guy into the third round, and he has rode the bench major, for the majority of the season, even with plenty of room cleared in front of him.
0: Oh, uh, you're hurting my soul, Tim. All that reminded me, I should have considered Trey Sermon a little bit more for that category. Um, I, it, yeah, it, uh, if only Raheem Mostert had stayed healthy, then we would at least say, well, he's blocked and he was blocked when he got there and he's still blocked. We wouldn't know that they just passed on him for everybody else. I'm gonna go with Sequan Barkley. This one hurts very much as well. Multiple injuries to miss cross sections of the season, but how about running back 31 and adjusted points per game? I mean, that's playing. That's playing. And, uh, and this is when, with, with a, a running back one overall finish in one of the early season weeks to offset his lagging production, just five games in the top 24. And if we were saying 2021 <laughs> is a critical year for him to bounce back 2022 is threat level midnight.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I, that's a, a great office reference, obviously there with threat level midnight. Uh, but I, I mean, he has to like, we've talked about this in other forms, but he's got to drop a mammoth amount, but it's going to be a whole bunch of, it's going to be a whole tier of guys that feel equally or in different ways, uh, you know, disappointing or uncomforting, Uh, you know, Devontae Booker, more rushing yards on the season than Saquon Barkley, Uh, same amount of receptions, more receiving yards for Devontae Booker. Uh, Again, he played a couple more games there, but when you look at this and when you look at some of the advanced stuff as well, I know the big excuse for Barkley is this offense sucks. The problem is, is that Devontae Booker was better at every point. So you can say that, but you can't, uh, in an equal setting, be worse than if I think this is Booker's third or fourth team as a journeyman, you know, day three pick, that's just inexcusable. So especially where his cost was. So yeah, he's a massive disappointment.
1: Yeah. I went with Saquon as well. And just to clean up the the stats prior going into the season, he had 21% in the top five weekly scoring this year down to 8% top 12. Prior to this year, 40% down to 17% this year and top 24, 25% of the time he was in the top 24 this year, that was 56% in the years past. So he's down in every single category and unstartable, but yet you can't really unstart him.
0: Time for veteran of the year at the wide receiver position, some good choices at 28 years or older. And I'm going to go with Cooper cup. Uh, it's tough to outproduce Devonte Adams. But Cup managed to do it by more than three points per game. 14 of his 16 games as a wide receiver one. No other wide receiver with more than eight such games. He was lapping the position in consistency, weekly upside, and again, beating Devontae Adams is no small feat.
3: Yeah, I, I thought I was going to be playing it a little bit cute by picking Cooper Cup here. And uh, and I'm going out of order, so I will let uh, Jordan go. That's all right. Well, I, said, I know I have, feel I good comfort with
2: the fact player that... <laughs> Uh, you know, lifts his ceiling higher than golf could flashes and ceiling, uh, but had, puts together not only a full season, but goes up a whole nother tier. So uh, great performance by him this year.
1: Clean sweet And I call him Kleenex hands. We called him that at the senior bowl. We just couldn't figure out what his role in the NFL would be, but he was amazing then. And he's amazing yeah, dealing now. With some snapper. injuries 2018
3: towards ACL uh, seemed to come back bigger, better, stronger, faster. Uh was a little bit worried again coming into this season because in 2020, he uh, dealt with ankle sprain, uh, some knee issues, and, and then he just absolutely destroyed the season. Um, it helped him a little bit that Robert Woods kind of got out of his way, but he, even with that said, he he was on a toward path before Robert Woods was was injured and out for the season. All right, time for the rookies. Who is your rookie of the year wide receiver, Jordan?
2: I uh, would Jamar Chase and uh, an honorable mention to Amon Ross St. Brown closing the season really well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, but no, Jamar Chase was a huge performance, uh, when it mattered the most cost me my biggest league, him and Joe Burrow managed to really um, put what should have been a runaway performance. They managed to bag that one on me. So, uh, I'm coming for revenge next year, but an elite season with who should be the wide receiver. too? Yeah. Ones. I
1: don't think this category is going to have too much, uh, Jamar Chase top of the list wide receiver four on the year as a rookie and paired with his quarterback from college.
3: Yeah. Keep keep it, keep it running. I mean, it just the end of a season that wide receiver one. And, and I I remember as we were going into the, into the season, people were concerned about drops. He had a season, he had a season where he was away from the game because of COVID. And this is what he managed to do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Unbelievable.
0: Yeah, that's a good a good rewind back, uh, Tim, to where we were in August and, and the drops and the the year away and all that. And then we get to the end point and back to the mid-90s, I mean, only Randy Moss and Odell Beckham finished higher and adjusted points per game finish as a rookie. So how does that taste <laughs> for all those? The guy can't catch. He's like, oh, I need white on him. All right, uh, we got the breakout of the year player at wide
1: receiver, Katie. Debo Samuel, wide receiver three on the year, 20.93 points per game. And he had five weeks in the top five scoring, nine in the top 12.
3: I'm going to keep it going with Debo Samuel. I, I came into the season. I was drinking the Kool-Aid on Brandon Ayuk. I, I thought that was the way to go. There was no way that we were going to see anything different. And a handful of rushing attempts and just being used in all of those ways that we were hoping Brandon Ayuk was going to be used. Debo Samuel just just is the man there in San Francisco now.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll add on for Samuel, 73% of his games in the top 24 and in the fantasy playoffs. Three weeks straight in the top eighteen. And this is with the Ho Hum 49ers passing the game. They had some quarterback changeover as that season progressed there. And uh he he wasn't in the top thirty his first two seasons in the NFL. So this definitely qualifies as a massive breakout.
2: Yeah, I'm good, Debo as well. And one of the things that, when I look back, the mistake that I made from twenty twenty one, not seeing him coming, was you look at a player who had an absolutely elite stratosphere of yards per route run in his career, and uh, was in the top ten percent all time in that. Uh, and I discounted that, um, and that was a mistake. So good on him for for reaching a big breakout. Um, and that was a process error on my fault. Probably would have seen this level of ceiling, but definitely would have seen more out of him than uh, than I necessarily expected.
0: All right, Tim, uh, who are you picking up and who made an impact at wide receiver this year for you?
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to wrap it up uh, with with Braxton Berrios. I I was so excited when I had the opportunity to pick him up out of the way, and then Jameson Crowder just wasn't doing anything. Braxton Berrios, over his last four games, had double-digit scores in PPR leagues, 14, 15, 16, 17. It was all over 10 points. And week 17, he came through with a 20 20- plus point game uh, for some cases was just forgotten ruled with just being able to pick him up and, and letting him dominate PPR links the the last few weeks.
0: All right. And this is where I found the puzzle piece to fit in Cordero Patterson. Uh, you know, he was out there, in leagues in late august even after week one he was one of those players that's like oh i guess he is the the primary backup running back he's playing some wide receiver um he was wide receiver on mfl which felt like cheating (laughs) and he was running back on ffpc just on note for those two formats but you know he made playoff teams and i know it wasn't great in the in the fantasy playoffs but he's wide receiver 13 and adjusted points per game eight weeks in the top 24 and again, highly accessible all the way up till the beginning of the season. Reminded me of Mike Davis, uh, I think it was last year or the year before, coming out of the ether as that primary backup in Carolina. But Patterson sort of had his own role in the offense and basically was an auto-start player from that point on.
2: Um, Demarius Thomas, rest in peace. Uh, I was happy to pick him up one last ride. So he's my free agent pickup of the year.
1: Very cool. Uh, I went with Hunter Renfro earlier in the year in shallow leagues. He was on the waiver wire. And in deeper leagues, you could get him cheap up until mid season for at least uh, about a third round pick wide receiver, 17 on a season four top 12 finishes this year.
0: I am going to go back to back on my biggest wide receiver disappointment. Uh, I I looked back and he actually won the award from me in 2020 and it's Festivus all over again here. Jalen (laughs) Reger. I am never, maybe (laughs) Trey Sermon can get there in a couple of years, but Jalen Reger, you are on my naughty list. I don't care what month it is. No soup for you ever uh you won the award last year here we are again he's wide receiver 116 116 in adjusted points per game while devonta smith is wide receiver 36 as a rookie boat racing Reger immediately Reger had zero top 24 weeks and he's on the bus path through two years nothing else i can say
2: yeah. I mean, that's, that would be uh, one that I'm, I'm sure is going to get uh, other mentions, multiple top 36 finishes here. He was a guy that I discount version of DJ Moore uh, in the off season, And now we look and we kind of know we, we see why. So uh he gets paid and ultimately disappoints. So a wide receiver 52 finish only 46 receptions, 469 and four touchdowns, a big time disappointment for a guy that had been a top 20 guy.
1: Based on last year and based on expectations, I think that Brandon Ayuk is the biggest wide receiver disappointment. Wide receiver 55 on the year, 9.74 points per game, unstartable most of the season, just. Bad. Boy,
3: uh, going a different direction here. Chase Claypool for me. I, I had high expectations, size, speed. I, I thought he was going to have plenty of opportunities just running right next to Deonta Johnson. And he put up the last three weeks, three, uh, three, under 10 point games in each of the last three games. It it was a, a horrible finish to the season. And he didn't even give you, I, I remember last year, he was still giving you big, big games. Even if you couldn't completely trust him, he had some of those 20, 30 point games this season. He did not give you any of it. Chase Claypool is my bust of the year at wide receiver.
0: All right. We are on to tight end and the veteran of the year, the old guard here, Jordan, who is your pick?
3: We're on to
2: Cincinnati. Uh, Travis Kelsey, tight end to 88 receptions, 1091 yards, eight touchdowns. Um, I looked at his stats. I did a deep dive in the middle of the year, and I saw some big time regression in terms of, you know, just had a really hard time beating man coverage and, and some things that sort of point to erosion, uh, but ends up when you are that elite for that long, even when you come down 20%, you finish as tight end two, Right. So that's, uh, that's just kind of what, what happens with a player of his level. So uh, veteran of the year. And I, I suspect he's going to be a big time better in the off I,
1: I agree with Jordan, Travis Kelsey. And I do think that going into age 33 season, people will be trying to get out of him. You could probably get some good deals.
0: Yeah. How about for Kelsey, six straight years as the tight end one or tight end two overall in adjusted points per game. That's what you call having a run at the positions. Others have oscillated up and down around Kelsey, but he remains the gold standard, and it feels like Jason Witten or Tony Gonzalez in the sense of we're going to get to the point, and maybe it's this offseason, where every season he plays and he's in the top three, four, five of the position, it's going to be printing money because tight ends tough to predict, and if you just keep double and tripling down on these guys, I imagine my market share of Kelsey is probably going to double next year, and maybe quadruple the uh, you know within eighteen months, just because the price is going to fall the to mid-tight and one, or maybe even a touch lower. Um, it, it just it feels like we're going in that direction.
3: I appreciate you skipping over me, Chad. But well, Travis pr- Kelsey, right. a pro doesn't admit it. It's very kind.
1: So are you done, Tim? Yes. Okay. <laughs> So tight end rookie of the year, everyone on Twitter that I saw said pump the brakes tight end always takes three to four years to contribute. You know, if you're going to put him up in the top three of dynasty right now, which is where he's going, then you've got to get over 650 yards out of him. Well, 1,118 yards. And uh, that's on 105 targets. Kyle Pitts did everything that you would expect. uh, And in Julio like fashion, he too did not, was not a big red zone. He got all his fantasy points on one touchdown. He was tight end 10 on the season, three top five finishes, five top 12. He was startable. And especially in start two tight end, he had 11 top 24 finishes. So he was startable in every format. I'm right there Cal with you, Katie. He
3: had he was on the field for as much time as you would hope for a rookie, 73.8% snap share. Uh, he played in the slot plenty, uh, 32.8% of the time. Uh, I mean, he is just there. He is participating. I'm curious to see kind of uh, how much further he can go when Atlanta decide whether they get back Calvin Ridley or get some other weapon that goes alongside him. Uh, I I just think it it would have been exciting to see this team if it would have been Julio Jones, Kyle Pitts, Calvin Ridley with Matt Ryan one season. Unfortunately, we didn't get it, but it was still a phenomenal season by Kyle Pitts.
0: Yeah, agreed. I got Kyle Pitts as well. 44% of his games in the top 12. And uh, the last five weeks of the fantasy season to finish strong he's in the top 15 each of those weeks. And one reminder, like Brandon Cooks, he started his rookie season before he could legally drink.
2: Yeah, that's good. And you look 2.31 yards per route run. That's an absolutely monstrous track i mean that really came up that was that was middling Um, it was i would say very good That reached an absolute star level uh to close out the season so heading on a really elite track uh as a rookie for sure so one of the best rookie seasons of all time
0: we got a breakout uh, of the year here at tight end and tim lead us off
3: yeah going from no touchdowns in college uh to, to being the tight end 10 in 2021 at this point. Dawson Knox, uh, shout out to, to Buffalo for just having quality options. Uh, I think it had a little bit to do with necessity. Manuel Sanders didn't put up exactly what the team needed as far as a, uh, a quality quality target. Gabe Davis, uh, he came on and off throughout the season. Dawson Knox was steady Eddie, uh, 16, and, and he's only 25 years old. There's plenty of time, plenty of room to grow with Josh Allen. I, I'm excited. I think top five could be in his range of outcomes next season.
0: Yeah. I also had Dawson Knox. Um, he was outside the top 35 in his first two years of his career, pretty much off the map outside of a few flashes here and there. But how about in the top 12 this year, 50% of his games, only Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle had more top six finishes as well. So uh, this is despite a really good wide receiver core in Buffalo, but you get attached to a elite quarterback and at tight end, you've got a chance for a big time season. And Dawson Knox achieved that this year.
2: Um, I'm going to go with uh, Mark Andrews and uh, he had already hit. Yes. He'd already been fancy productive. Yes. But the jump from tight end six to tight end one is an enormous, meaningful jump. And it is a huge statistical jump. Last year finishes tight end six, 58 receptions, seven to one, seven touchdowns, really good season this year at 99 receptions, 1276 and nine touchdowns, just a, Uh, a meteoric rise that's a huge huge difference maker and a massive step forward in his career so big accomplishment there for him uh and a tight end one finish the first time in a while it's been someone other than Kelsey Rock
1: and I am going to close the category out with a Dawson Knox share as well for all those reasons that Tim and Chad gave
0: All right. Uh, I'm going to lead off here with the tight end free agent pickup of the year. Had a few different choices. Um, I went with one that really saved me um, in a few streaming situations where I had been just rotating, rotating, rotating at the right times. I got Foster Moreau uh, off the waiver wire with Darren Waller out for a stretch and one week turned into a few weeks. And within that stretch, he also had tight end seven and tight end nine finishes in the fantasy playoffs. And for streaming people, uh, again, he could have been a lifesaver at the right time.
2: Yeah, I mean that's, that's a good one. I think uh, James O'Shaughnessy as well. I'll go Ricky Seals-Jones. He was relevant for a few weeks there when we needed it as well. So um, there's a lot of different options I think you could go with, but Moreau and Ricky Seals-Jones, I think, had the list.
1: And I'm going with a different guy, but Tyler Conklin uh, tied in 19 on the season. He had four top 12 weeks and he was free on the waiver wire up through week three.
3: And I'll wrap it up with Katie, Tyler Conklin. It, it was just an impressive end to the season. Uh, it did not end up being Chris Herndon. Like everyone was saying, he was going to break out once he got traded from the jets. So Tyler Conklin just leading the way for, for the Vikings this season.
0: All right. Biggest tight end disappointment and Jordan leads us off.
2: Uh, biggest tight end disappointment. Um, I'm going to say Tyler Higby, just because I thought that there was more ceiling there uh, with what he had to offer. I thought that coming in, especially in a post-Robert Woods injury, I thought that he had you know, top five, top six, top half of the position type upside. You looked at some of his advanced metrics without uh, Gerald Everett in particular, when he had missed Cooper cup at different points, a lot of those things pointed to the fact that if there was more volume there, that he had the ability to step forward and just didn't prove to be the case. So uh, finishes as a tight end too, but that's largely in in an indistinguishable tier big time disappointment for someone that I thought could be up in the, you know, it wouldn't shock me if he posted a tight end four type finish, like Dalton Schultz has done. So a guy like, uh, a guy like Higby, big time disappointments this year.
1: I went with Austin Hooper, tight end thirty on the year, unstartable, even even questionable in uh, start two formats. He was not an auto start by any means.
3: Yeah, I'll I'll kind of follow up with Katie and say Browns tight ends because I I, I was expecting David and Kuda to take the job from Hooper coming into the season, and that didn't happen. Both of them just cannibalized off of each other. Uh, I, I will give a shout out. I'm very thankful that the very last play of the Browns game went to Austin Hooper, put me in the money in one of my fantasy leagues, but on the other, uh, just over the course of the season, I was so disappointed with just the Browns tight end position.
0: I'm going to go off the board here and talk. Let's go all the way back to the very beginning of NFL free agency. John Newsmith got a big contract. What happened right after that? Hunter Henry comes in. <laughs> and uh, and Hunter Henry produces like he always does. John U. Smith is looking like a one-hit wonder at this point. I mean, zero top 12 weeks, tied in 43 in adjusted points per game. And that's despite Mac Jones coming in, being functional as a rookie, not having an impact wide receiver. And again, bigger contract than Hunter Henry. And now John U. Smith is... A roster clogger and two tight end handcuff what like the it's amazing the fall from his peak season to where we are now all right the what if award so this is changing any sort of outcome it could be an injury it could be what if something changed about this season what would you like to see tim lead us off in uh going down narrative street of a parallel universe if you will for 2021
3: what if brandon cook's had a quarterback this season. What, what if he had Davis Deshaun Watson? Got an award on show. <laughs> <laughs> what if he had a quarterback? Is this like Aaron Rodgers dying again? I feel like this is the path. Why does oh, Davis go to the all-pro like in a couple of years? Like <laughs> oh I he, he still finished the season with a hundred almost oh, 130 30 targets, but there was so much more there. It's yeah. it's a thousand yards, but it still could have been so much more. It's six touchdowns, but it still could have been so much more. I feel like Brandon Cook's in my opinion, is one of the most underrated and disrespected wide receivers in the NFL because everyone just, it, it's he, he just puts up stats every season. He has 129 targets on the season. It's amazing that he has done that with the quarterback situation that he's dealt with. I think he could have been over 1300 yards plus if he would have had Deshaun Watson, he would have had the best statistical year of his career to this point. I, I wish, I I hope he doesn't get traded or moved again because he's just such a good wide receiver. I I would love to just see him paired with a quality quarterback.
0: All right. I'm going to go with what if Antonio Brown stayed healthy mentally and physically this (laughs) season? Because he was a wide receiver one for more than half his games. Only Cooper Cup had a higher rate of finishing in the top 12. And Brown only played seven games about half the year. So Antonio Brown was going to be that Julian Edelman, that Wes Welker, that uh, security blanket. And we've seen it only in cross sections of two seasons. But what if Antonio Brown?
2: Yeah, what if, uh, what if we see a full season out of Deshaun Watson? Uh, and I, I wonder if this season actually broke against him in terms of where he comes back. I think he'll be at a discount, uh, but I wonder if some of the bets that we made at the position, I still think they were the right bets, uh, but does, did the position turn out in a way that it actually isn't a huge advantage to have gotten a discount on Watson uh, last year? So I'm really interested to see how that plays out. It's an ongoing story we're watching.
1: Mine's a little bit of a butterfly effect. Mine is, what if Jameis Winston hadn't got hurt? But from the perspective of how would that have affected Alvin Kamara? Yeah. The first eight games of the season, Kamara was going nuts so crazy on a great tear. And if Jameis Winston had been there in week nine, Kamara wouldn't have been hurt himself in week nine. And then he would have ended up finishing uh, 1,100 yards. RB three, 22.22 fantasy points per game. And he ended up RB eight, 18 points per game instead. And I call it the Jameis Winston effect.
0: Yeah. And he was on a great stretch. So, uh, you know, how would his season look optically in the off season? And now it's just, ah, he played a few games and you know, he got a little fortunate with touchdown rate, interception rate, all those kind of things. Um, okay, and uh, we got two more awards. The I will always love you award. This could be any position, but it obviously has to be a player that you have not nominated for an award yet. And Tim actually stole my thunder a little bit, uh, leading off here with Brandon Cooks. Uh, my previous awards include Devontae Adams, Mike Evans, Will Fuller, Antonio Gibson, so near and dear to my heart. But Brandon Cooks this year, marooned on a Deshaun Watson list team with the, the the Texans. They were feisty this year. Cooks logged another largely ignored top twenty-four adjusted points per game finish 60% of his games were top 24 this year, a threshold achieved by only seven other receivers. And you talk about annual consistency, six top 24 years over eight years and a myriad of teams and environments and situations in Houston, yet another one rookie quarterback for most of the year. And that turned out that connection, as Tim said could have been better with a, with improved quarterback play, but still Brandon cooks was a weekly starter uh, much of the year in terms of lineup decisions. Mike Evans, AJ Green, Julio Jones are the only active receivers with more top 24 finishes than you. You will go down as one of the most underrated wide receivers of this era, and I will always love you.
2: Yeah, I, I love the call, and I know that there's going to be a lot of players that I feel similarly about what you guys putting out here. I'll just go with Dak Prescott, and when last year he went, he got hurt, uh, that was painful to watch from a player that I, I've liked for, uh, for a while, both as a football player, as a fantasy football player, as, a, as just a person. Um, I bet a big fan of his, that was painful to watch him get hurt and the way that he got hurt and the reaction to him getting hurt. Uh, you could tell what he meant to a lot of people. Uh, he comes back this year, a little bit of an up and down season came out early on, had the, the big opening night game kind of, you know, they went through the slump. Was it wasn't a slump. Was it not a slump? I don't know. Uh, but when it mattered in week 16, uh, put a bunch of my teams from the semis into the finals and produced a bunch of ROI for me. So big performance there for Dak Prescott when it mattered and, uh, I'll always be grateful.
1: My guy is never going to be a fantasy stud. He's never going to be an NFL stud, but he has a job in the NFL. He's got one of the best attitudes. Met him at the senior bowl a few years ago, Mr. Jamal Williams. Um, I, I love how he works with passion. I love his smile. He has always touched my heart. He remembered me when I saw him the second time around a year after the senior bowl. So Jamal Williams, I will always love you.
3: Uh, Similar to Chad, I think the 2014 draft class just keeps giving me players that I love every year. Uh, I think it's because it was the first year I really dove into dynasty fantasy football, and I'm going to go Allen Robinson. I think this year was a blip on the radar. Eleven games played, uh, lowest number of targets outside of when he was injured in 2017. Lowest number of receptions outside of that year. Lowest receiving yards, (laughs) touchdown, touchdown. I mean, you name it. This season, I, I really feel is an aberration. Um, whatever holds next season, whether it's Justin Fields taking a step forward, him getting loose and going to a different, possibly going to a different team, whatever that is for him, I see 2022 and beyond. He is a beast. He is amazing wide receiver with wide receiver one, uh, top five wide receiver type of potential every week. i I'm, I'm just looking forward to turning the page onto 2022 and beyond for that young man.
0: All right. And last but not least, we have overall MVP for the 2021 season. So for each one of us, you have not heard his name yet. Uh, So Jordan, you are first up here and as well as your MVP, any uh, final thoughts of what you will remember from this season and or uh, any precursors to to what you're thinking about in terms of entering the dynasty offseason now?
2: Um, I mean, Jonathan Taylor. Um, for a guy that was just a plotting Big Ten running back who couldn't catch a running back, one overall finish by forty-eight points is a pretty good finish. Um, so we'll take that. Um, we'll take that as a success for taking him over Clyde Edwards Laird rookie drafts. Right, that's a, I think, a meaningful uh success there for for the people in this particular show. Um, and yeah, I'm just looking forward to you know I, I. I think I've made a lot of strategic changes and a lot of different things that, that I've done uh, dynasty wise that have paid off in the past you know, six months to a year that have been different than stuff I've done in the past. I'm just looking forward to that and, you know, getting out and making some trades out of the now that the dynasty trade deadline is, uh, is lifted now.
1: So that would put me next, right? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Uh, I went with a super flex MVP, Josh Allen, quarterback, one 32.78 points per game over 4,000 yards in the air with 34 touchdowns, 700 yards rushing with six more touchdowns. In his career prior to this year, 44 games, top five weekly score, he was at 30%. This year in 16 games, he was eight times top five, 50% of the time. He really brought that up. Top 12, he went from 48% to 56% and top 24, 84%, up to 94, 94% of the time, he, he was still a, a QB2 or better in Superflex. Just an amazing season. He won me and put me in place to win a lot of money this year.
3: I promise this award to this player until he officially leaves the league, and I will not stop now. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is my overall MVP. Um, his second-best completion percentage, uh, of his entire career, sixty-eight point six percent, and it, it's just—I put this not just on stats, but enjoyment of watching a player play. I—I I enjoy every piece of watching Aaron Rodgers play the game of football. The way he moves in the pocket, the way he's able to—the connection he has with Devonte Adams. Uh, he is an MVP just because I enjoy watching him play. And one of my most regrettable and maybe most memorable statements was saying that he was done and I will continue to put him on this MVP list until he is out of the league.
0: Well said. Um, I'm going to finish things off here with Jonathan Taylor. And I just remember back that there was a particular two quarterback league that the, the, the five quarterbacks um, ended up going insanely high, um, and they go quarterbacks go high every single year, and I was able to get Jonathan Taylor by pivoting at the position, by not f- taking the bait, and you know also you know let's not forget Clyde Edwards-Helaire and Jonathan Taylor were relatively split, you know there was not a consensus there on who was one one of the non-quarterbacks, and uh, Taylor is just one that I saw whether it was in the projection model. And just watching him at Wisconsin, I said, this could be a true impact player. And you don't say that about the running back one in every single draft class. Like this could be someone that changes the game. This could be someone that finishes as running back one overall, the running back one. And it happening in year two, 22 years old. The fact that he had so many games where you just, you pull your hair out where he wasn't getting targets, or like you see how dynamic he is, and then they ignore him for three drives, and then they slow play him because they want to use him for 10 touches in the fourth quarter. And just it's an up and down emotional journey when you watch these Colt games because he is such a high leverage player that you you want him to get the ball almost every single opportunity for a Colts team just striving for for impact players for their offense. It's a struggle for them. It really is Jonathan Taylor willing them pulling them to the playoffs like a sled. And so so for Taylor, in year two, I mean, could, you could say he's lapping the position in terms of the profile he has, age, production, and his stature on his own team, and, and within the prism of the position. That it, it is greater than any other position right now, in terms of the gap between one and everybody else. And to go from what was it twenty months ago, maybe not even being the consistent running back one of his class to now finishing atop the entire position in year two? Just unbelievable ride. He looks the part. He looks like he's improving. He's a great person by all reports. and just just a massive game changing player when you say he didn't miss games at a position that hemorrhages injuries. And he was there every single week, eighty eight percent of the time in the top twenty four. And 75% of the top 12, he's there. He's there every single week this week for you. And, and I have him on a ton of teams. You want to talk about, uh, oh, I don't want a high market share or exposure to a player. BS. Yes, go down with the ship and you rise with the ship. I went down with the ship with Jalen Rager through two years. But you know what? When you get it right, it feels gosh darn good. And um, you know, the, the tagline to close the show, it, just going into the offseason, just Never settle never settle. Don't rest on your laurels. What did you learn this year? What can you put towards 2022? And just know from owner to analyst hat that I learned so much this year. And I had one of my best years in a while in terms of ROI and results. And I think that's a big part of never settling and not saying my teams are good enough. Your teams are never, never good enough because you don't know how many horses you need. Who knew? You get all the way to the end. Daryl Williams is what you needed, maybe, in week in week 17. So you get all the way home. You needed every single spot running back start. You need every single core wide receiver. You might have needed five, six starting quarterbacks in a super flex league throughout the year. You need them all. You need everybody. You're never good enough. If you don't have a stud tight end and you're good everywhere else, go get one this offseason. Go get one. We're going to evaluate the rookie class. We're going to find values in trading. But you got to go all the way. Because some of my best teams won, but I'll tell you, I got to the finals with some of my teams. That I never, never two months ago would have thought this would have been one of the teams. And that's what you mean. Don't give up on the season. I had a team dead in a ditch halfway through, made it to the finals, went on a run. So don't give up. And these three horses right here, three of the four Musketeers, good follows. Make sure you're following what they're doing. At Mac and Dynasty for Jordan. At Tim NFL for Tim Torch, at FF underscore Skyler 399 for Katie Flower. I am Chad Parsons. And until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties.